Hey everybody, welcome back to the Empire State Conservatives Podcast. It is me, your host Evan, here with the infamous Gabriel Montalvo. Yes, it's been a little while, but as you can see, I have been preparing to be drafted for World War III, which, as we all know, is imminent because of the actions of just so many people on the world stage. But before we get into that, guys, please, please, please visit our website, EmpireStateConservatives.com, to links to all of our shows and merchandise there. All of that money goes back into keeping us afloat. It is not cheap to run this podcast, and we need your help. I know everybody is struggling. We are also struggling. And with the price of gas imminently going up, we need your help now more than ever. But, Gabe, uh, you texted me earlier today, and you were like, hey, you want to do an episode on Ukraine? I said, hey, that's a good idea, because Vladimir Putin and the uh, Empire of Russia, as uh, we'll call them, decided to... <laughs> cross over the border today this morning at was it 5 55 a.m russia time and uh launch a series of attacks and they are basically now at full-blown war with the ukraine and there's a lot of mixed reactions to this there's a lot of strong feelings that a lot of people have and a lot of fallout for this but uh where would you like to get started on this well i'd like to get started by you know making sure that people know that this is in fact a war and that this isn't just some sort of conspiracy by the mainstream media and that's pretty much like one of the main reasons I said, let's do a show. Uh, I take great pride in what we do here and what we talk about here and how we bring evidence to uh, these types of discussions. Um, and I don't really like the whole idea that people, especially on the right, are now going out and saying that, oh, this is just a controlled opposition campaign to get you off of what's really going on. People need to get off their high horses and their ivory towers and understand that this has real world implications. We're dealing with... A, a superpower and potentially if china decides to uh, assist russia either financially or even voicing their support to world powers against our military might and potentially that of nato no 100 percent. and while it the, the situation can be twofold right it can be used it can be propped up as this distraction of of how terrible the biden administration is doing but part of this is a, an effect of how ineffective and basically inept Joe Biden is as a leader because this is someone that no one is afraid of that no one has any respect for on the world stage listen our allies can say whatever they want Macron and Trudeau who are also a bunch of authoritarian dirtbags but they can say whatever they want oh yeah we respect him no one respects him all right remember we all saw the video of Boris Johnson kind of just waving him off when they met at that climate summit it's like yeah Joe we get it you're here just, just sit there Sit there and try not to crap your pants. All right. that That's how he's viewed. He is viewed as the senile, doddering old man, which is what he is. He should not be in office. And I should stop knocking things down in my office. But he really shouldn't be in office. He has no idea what's going on. And there is no respect for him. There's been no respect for him in Washington. People had no respect for him in this country. He only was elected because he went against President Trump. And people hated President Trump so much that they were willing to vote for a bag of bones who we are now seeing what, what that got us, you know, between skyrocketing gas prices, high, uh, skyrocketing inflation, all these terrible, terrible things. This is another effect of that, because as we all know, Joe Biden was like, oh, Vladimir Putin doesn't want me in office, right? No, he's scared of me. I'm the only one that's gone toe to toe with him. Vladimir Putin clearly does not give a hoot what Joe Biden thinks and doesn't think Joe Biden has the balls to go against him. He, he, whether he respected Trump or he was afraid of Trump, Putin did nothing the four years that Trump was in office. The second Joe Biden takes office, Putin's like, 
All right, it's go time. We're doing what we want to do. Remember that uh, it was hyped up for those four years that Trump's uh, diplomacy and foreign policy would be so horrible that it will eventually provoke Russia into taking militaristic action against Eastern Europe or the United States proper. Um, I, I mean, yet here we are on the complete opposite side of the spectrum and we see this happening real time. And I understand media hype, but at the same time, there has now been, because of that initial attack, an estimated 40 people to have already been killed on account of this. There are, um, they're reported to have Russian helicopters already taking out airfields and occupying them and claiming it as Russia. There are missile strikes going to the Ukrainian capital. Like this is stuff that is that is really affecting people. This is stuff that's happening real time. And I mean, I don't I also don't like the comparison that uh, people are saying, oh, well, why secure the Ukrainian borders or the borders of Eastern Europe, but not our southern border? And I think that's an egregious and disingenuous argument. I mean, you look at it and you're saying, OK, I get it. Horrible things are happening south of the border. Uh, we can talk about drugs, sex trafficking or human trafficking. Uh, as well as just the influx of illegal, illegal immigration. But that, again, holds is like a candle to the wind of having a superpower that much closer to uh, the rest of the Western European allies as well. I don't want Russia to be any closer to our missile defense systems and having the ability to bypass that. I mean, they, they it seems like Russia has had an easy time so far in taking out the Ukraine. And again, if the Chinese see this as a possibility, then that means that they could also take a um, take a note from Russia and invade Taiwan. This is a very big world, you know, event that's happening, and everyone needs to be paying attention to this. Listen, and I'm I'm me as much as anyone else. I'm not really in for getting involved in foreign affairs, but again, this is an important thing that is going on, and it's not to invalidate the argument that the southern border needs to be secured. But this is what happens in politics, especially since, I don't know, at least the last like 10 years, that something happens and someone goes, well, what about this? Well, what about that? Oh, the southern border. Well, what about these poor neighborhoods where we have failing schools? It's like all these things can be addressed. Stop saying we have to pick one issue over the other. There are many important things that need to be addressed by this administration that they're not doing. They should be handling foreign diplomacy, that's part of their job. They should also be securing the southern border, which is part of their job. They should also be making sure they don't run the country into the ground, which they are doing, which is running it into the ground, not making sure they're not running it into the ground. But they should be, be able to do more than one thing at once. So in order to deflect all the attention away from this by going, well, what about the southern border is not, it's not helping. And it's not it's not putting the proper attention that this deserves. And it doesn't even get the proper attention that the southern border deserves. Because then you have people who just hear, oh, all you do is talk about the southern border. All you do is talk about the southern border. Let's address each issue that needs to be addressed and handle them appropriately. And none of that's happening under this administration. No, it's really not. I mean, we saw what happened with Afghanistan, uh, you know, a couple of months ago. Well, we didn't say a couple of months. We're getting close to a year. Um, in the evacuation and how that failed. And we just keep taking a back step on the world stage. I am not for, again, like with what you said, I mean, I'm not for necessarily, you know, fighting a bunch of wars, but we have to understand the United States since World War One has, sorry, since World War Two has taken a position of being the number one superpower. And in doing so, we've been able to ensure relative world, 
world, relative world peace and not approaching a World War III. I mean, the closest that we got to was the Cold War. We've had had conflicts and wars since then, but not on those massive scales, causing massive destruct destruction like we saw in the in the 40s and even during World War One. So the argument I say is, yeah, the United States might not be a perfect country, but at least we are, I'd rather be, you know, continuing to work on our flaws, to continue to work on the flaws of other nations, um, rather than speaking either Russian or Chinese. I mean, this is a very, it's a very big issue. I mean, now we have, uh, you know, a very important question that was asked during the press conference uh, that happened, I'd say about an hour ago, since, you know, this is going live. Uh, which is, is India going to support the United States? And Biden didn't necessarily have a clear answer. He said he's currently in talks uh, with India, but that could also be a very strong eye to help support and show strength during this time. Um, but, you know, this is a full-scale invasion that we're dealing with, and it's not necessarily, you know, being pro-war. But again, there are certain people that have a bit more stake in this, you know, in having to serve and fight in those, these conflicts than those who just want to play armchair historian. And it's a very important distinction that, you know, this is a time in, this is a time to drop the, I'd say, left versus right. I'm all for understanding and criticizing the administration, um, but dropping the left versus right and just being Americans. I mean, and the reason why I say even in criticizing the administration is because we have to understand that Joe Biden cannot necessarily, even though he's the commander in chief, he can't just declare war without congressional approval. Uh, moving into troop, moving troops without congressional approval, like taking those steps because we are a republic. Right. And we and if I watched Biden's press conference and essentially was a whole bunch of nonsense, like it usually is. But he talked about how we did. They did this and they imposed these sanctions and they talked and they tried to prevent all of this and clearly it was not effective. So at the end of the day, the lack of respect and the lack of fear of Joe Biden as a leader, whatever it is. On the behalf of Vladimir Putin, it's it is what it is. He is an ineffective leader. He's ineffective on the world stage. In order to be able to avoid these conflicts, you need to have someone who is respected on the world stage or who's willing to kowtow to the demands of foreign leaders like Obama did with Iran. Obama just gave Iran a whole bunch of money and said, hey, please don't make nuclear weapons. But, you know, we're not going to we're not going to check on you. We, we've been over this a million times, the whole stripper analogy. It's one of my favorites. I use it all the time. Not at school. I don't use it at school. It's inappropriate to use it in front of children. But it's one of those things. But Joe Biden is neither. Because as we've seen, we've seen Joe Biden over the last year, when he doesn't get his way, he just gets angry. And Joe Biden was supposed to be this great unifier, right? But he's busy calling people stupid. And he's busy arguing with reporters and getting angry and yelling at them. And it's just, there is no hope for diplomacy when you're, when that's who is sitting at the table. There, there's no negotiation. There's no back and forth. Say what you want about Trump. Plenty of people did not like President Trump, and that's fine. Plenty of people didn't like his personality. That's fine. He was able to walk into that room and have the biggest pair of nuts and go, you're not doing this. We're going to figure out a way to make this work, but you're not moving on, on Ukraine. We went to North Korea. You're not doing what you're what you're doing. Where mm -hmm. this is how it's going to get done. He was right. able to do it. He was able to broker historic peace deals in the Middle East. Joe Biden has done nothing, and that is what I. That's a big reason we why we are where we are. Big, listen, the number one reason is that Vladimir Putin thinks he's like the next Stalin or something. I don't know, but 
the, he's, the other big reason is there is no deterrent for him. What's his deterrent? A bunch of weak Western leaders in NATO? You think he's scared of Trudeau? You think he's scared of Macron? He's not scared of Biden. He's not scared of any of these people. Fear is necessary on the world stage. This whole thing where we're above this and we're evolved and this is a modern world and a modern society. It's bullshit. We are human beings. If there is nothing to fear for doing something and we want to do it, we're going to do it. I mean, 100%. And even looking into what the Washington Post uh, had to say uh, back in back in Dece uh, last December, uh, when rumors were first starting about whether this attack or invasion or conflict was even going to arise, uh, the question was posed, why, why the Ukraine? And part of the, uh, I guess from a sociolo sociological perspective of it, um, they're saying that, well, Russia wants to annex Ukraine again because a lot of Ukrainians feel Russian anyways. And that sort of argument you had heard during, out of Germany prior to the Second World War. That's not justification for saying, oh, well, these people, you know, speak like us and they have some of our values and they used to be a part of us. So now we just, you know, we need, uh, what is it, uh, um, space to grow for, for, in this case, Russia being the motherland. I mean, this is, this is you know, the, the comparisons, the parallels between the past and present are increasing. And it seems like, you know, the United States is doing what it did last time. It said, no, we're just going to impose sanctions. We impose sanctions on Japan, and that's how we got World, uh, Pearl Harbor. And I'm not saying that that would happen again. Obviously, our technology has increased. Hopefully, uh, you know, it wouldn't happen again. But there is reason to believe that this sort of idea of appeasement from the West, and that's how even, uh, you know, Joe Biden was uh, talking today in his press conference. He was specifically referencing the West. The Western powers uh, seem to be kind of taking that back seat again. I mean, nobody wants to bl really blow this up into conflict, but what happens when you have an emboldened leader that wants to get more? If they believe they can get away with Ukraine, what's, what's to say the rest of the former Soviet uh, Eastern European countries? What's to say about that? And how far would we be allowed to let them go? Right, and appeasement can only get you so far. And again, we saw it with Hitler during World War II. They said, oh, that's fine. Yeah, take that. It's okay. He'll stop. He'll stop after that. Didn't happen. All right. When you have an authoritarian madman like Putin, this is what they do. This is what they want to do. And if there's no one willing to stand against them in a real manner, this is what they're going to do. But I wanted to talk about, really quick, the left-wing media's response to what President Trump said regarding Putin's actions. So President Trump, I'm going to we'll shorten it for you guys. President Trump essentially said that the way Putin went about this was very smart on his part, right? He made it seem like they were liberating these places that were trying to declare independence and they were trying to get rid of the evil Ukraine and he was using the propaganda machine to put down Ukraine like they were like they were World War II Nazis and they were coming in to liberate these places that had declared themselves republic. So President Trump said on Putin's part, this is very smart because then he comes in as this hero He's a liberator. And the left-wing media went, oh, my God, he's praising Putin. Oh, my God, blah, 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 blah. He's saying Putin's right. No, it's not what he's saying. He's saying that Putin is playing the propaganda machine. So for that, his people and the people in these areas, he comes off as a hero. He never said that Putin was right. He never said that Putin was a hero. He never said that anything that Putin said was true. 
But of course, the left-wing media, with their plummeting uh, ratings, had to pick up on what President, former President Trump said and lose their freaking minds. It is the only thing that pops up. If you type in President Trump's comments on Ukraine, you don't get his comments. You get the analysis from all these left-wing news stations, and you get their words on it. It's so ridiculous, Gabe. Like, it's... But he's right. He's right, right? This right. is what the propaganda machine does. Right. If you start to say that you're going to be the liberty, if you come in with the idea that you are there to stop some sort of, you know, slay the dragon, some sort of evil force has to be has to be stopped, and you're going to be the ones to do it. I mean, some people, some anti-Americans might, uh, you know, say that that's what we did in the Middle East. But you come in with the with that track record. But we know that Russians are hypocrites because they have continuous human rights violations, just like the Chinese do. But of course, on a world stage, and even to your own citizens, it's going to look a lot better uh, if you if you point out every wrong thing that happens in another country and say that you're going to try and fix it as as being a superpower. But I mean, even looking at the way that uh, who the Russians allied with, who the um, Belarus, which is another dictatorial power, allowed Russian uh, you know armored vehicles, tanks, and and personnel to move through their border to um, to launch a, a strike into the Ukraine. So. The media won't cover that because they still have to figure out and take you know cues from the White House to see what exactly they they how they can spin it. But from a from a you know an independent you know thinking standpoint, yes, it will look a hundred times better if you come up with some BS uh, reason as to why you should justify this war and you'll nationalize the people that are in your home country and say this is justified. We have to do it. Uh, for their own good. I mean, we've seen warmongers do this uh, for decades, for centuries, since since the dawn of time, since we even had kingdoms and empires to fight over. And right now, this is just a proving ground to see how much we're willing to tolerate, how much we're willing to let go, and what we're willing to do. I mean, the president has says he's not moving troops into the Ukraine, but he is drawing the line in the sand um, in NATO uh, in NATO. Uh, countries the now, now is this a real line in the sand or is this obama's line in the sand which is the one that you can just a little gust of wind comes it disappears and you back up and just draw another one exactly that's the line in the sand it's it's easy and it's malleable then it's like oh no well we're backing up from you know the border to now half of the country and we're just going to give up little land as we go uh that's at least the way it seems currently um but you know, right now we have, you know, some sort of defenses in place. There are more troops moving into Germany uh, as a quick reaction force in the event that the situation gets worse. And right now, uh, in part, it seems as though the Ukrainian people and government are on their own. And listen, I don't really care about what happens, uh, you know, what happened with uh, Joe and Hunter back when they were, whenever they were wheeling and dealing, whatever corruption that was because that has very little to do with what's happening currently. And that shouldn't be a justification either as to why people would be um, against either informing themselves on this situation or even be willing to say, hey, there should be a way to help these people out, if not in a militaristic sense. Yeah, and we're seeing, listen, if the Ukraine's on its own, the Ukraine's on its own, honestly. They are a nation, you know, at the end of the day, it is their job to defend their borders. Just like it is our job to defend our borders. And we've given them money. Sorry to cut you right. off. Like we've yeah, we've given, given them money. a ton of foreign aid. We've given mm -hmm. them a lot of stuff over the years. They, it's not like they're this tiny nation in grass huts that can't you know handle stuff. I'm, listen, Russia's strong. It is what it is. 
But what we're seeing now is the Ukrainian government calling on its citizens, right? Everyday citizens to go out. They're handing out rifles, you know, meet in every town square and we're going to defend Ukraine. Instead, you know, and then it shows just the importance of having an armed citizenry because you see the Ukrainian army is not enough. But handing out guns to regular citizens who've never fired guns before, it's basically just leading them to the slaughter. It's more of just a show than anything else. Because if I went down my street and grabbed a random person and said, here's a rifle, go stand on Post Avenue, I need you to make sure that the invading force doesn't get past. One, even if they want to stay there, they might turn tail and run. And two, they don't know what they're doing with that thing. I can show them in five minutes how it operates. But you think they really understand the mechanics? You think they're really going to be suitable to, to fight on the front lines? It really shows the importance of the Second Amendment and having an armed citizenry in this country. Because I have the ability to own my own firearms, which they call weapons of war. Okay, fine. Where if we had Red Dawn Part 2, right? The Russians and the Chinese dropping in uh, via, via parachute into my neighborhood. I would have the ability to fight them off without needing to then first go to the army to get a weapon. We have an armed citizenry here. And other nations don't have that. And you see it now that they might be regretting not letting their own citizens have, have weapons. Because they would have been prepared already. This is something that they could have said, hey, if you have a rifle... Please report to your nearest station. We're going to put you into group, you know, into battalions or whatever they're going to do and organize you for they could have had some better option. But it's just this massive scramble at the end of the day. And, you know, when it's too late, it's too late. Mm -hmm. in, in looking at, you know, good, good points in saying that having an armed populace being a safe populace, not even uh, within, you know, within your fellow neighborhood, within your neighborhood or your um, your city. Uh, but also on a world stage, uh, the Japanese, when they had actually attacked the United States, uh, again, going back to Pearl Harbor, you saw that the, um, the admirals and the high command of the Japanese military said, well, we could probably hold off the United States for about six months once they reach full strength. And he, they were about 99% accurate with that statement. Um, they were off by a couple of days, actually. And... Then they also made the assumption that while they were able to invade China, of course they could always divert resources and find a maybe crippled, you know, American military, you know, do a whole Red Dawn uh, type of scenario and invade, let's say, the Western Seaboard. But then they realized that the American population holds the majority of the firearms, and this was at a time when you had less regulation uh, on a, on obtaining firearms. So having almost, uh, you know, a, a rifle, a gun, a shotgun behind every door that's basically fighting a, a, a secondary army a militia of sorts and that on top of you know police force traditional military you're not going to be able to you know it's not going to be any sort of easy easy thing to do it might work last for a few days but it's not going to be this huge you know continuous uh occupation and that's what i think the other european countries should take heed of things like this of being able to maybe repeal their repeal of their laws i know that um in Switzerland, you're, you're, it's a bit easier to because they've had the policy of neutrality for so long, but they understand that with that neutrality comes costs of having a smaller uh, smaller military. I think other European countries can now take a real look and maybe stop clowning on the United States so much and saying, oh, well, at least we don't have school shootings. Yes, there are consequences to any and everything that we do. Um, but, you know, standing on the 
uh, as Ben Shapiro said to Piers Morgan, standing on the lives of dead children is not a means to justify the fact that you can leave you not only your family and yourself vulnerable, but also your country. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. What was it? There's a rifle behind every blade of grass. That's what that's what they said about America. And yes. you know, while there have been m- many more regulations and a whole bunch of nonsense with regards to gun control, we still own what is it? Over forty percent of the world's guns are owned by American citizens. So, yeah, Russia stay over there. You don't need to come over here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so right now, you know, when it comes to the sanctions. Um, Biden is also saying that with what's happening now, uh, with the conflict that Russia is kind of bankrupting itself uh, with uh, what is it, the rubles, that doesn't mean that they cannot be bankrolled through some sort of lend-lease type of act uh, from China. I mean, they they share they share the border with each other, uh, they share influence with each other. And who says that China? And being that they produce so much and they have they have a great output uh, capacity, that they won't be able to support this. So we can smack as many sanctions as they want. They can stop trading as much, with as much countries as they, as they want. But if it's a land grab that the Russians are after, you can't just sit back and say, okay, well, I'm just not going to buy know, XYZ products anymore. Uh, I mean, I do know that they have a substantial uh, hold on the energy sector, but that's another reason why we should not have become energy dependent once this administration assumed office. You know, if we don't, and Evan, as, as you said, there's rumors that uh, the natural gas prices might spike again. It's at 370 now, last, the last report I saw. Uh, nationwide, I know in some places it's higher, but that doesn't mean that we can afford for it to go any higher than that. I mean, if the, if the lowest we're seeing right now is 270, going up is not going to do anybody any favors. And right now, we have to really, really be careful with the way they're spending, not only... I mean, sure, we can try and bankrupt Russia as, as much as we want, but right now we're seeing inflation rates at the highest it's been in decades, um, soon to be, you know, approaching recession levels again, um, potentially worse than that. I mean, it's just not a very good state to be right now, and this is a year, a little over a year of the administration. I mean, things have radically changed. I understand that, you know, a four years of a Republican presidency ne- didn't necessarily do a lot per se as much as an eight-year plan but you can see how that can be all that can be undone within one year and who knows what can happen for the rest of these three years that we have left right and it just goes to dispel this myth that you hear a lot of mostly from democrats or just left-wing people that it doesn't matter right republicans democrats it doesn't matter the economy just does whatever it wants it's not true because we saw a dramatic shift under president trump towards the benefit of all americans from Obama, which was a gradual increase due to overregulation and overtaxing with still super high gas prices. And under President Trump, he got gas back to what it was when I first started driving, which was 2005. We were looking at 2005 gas prices, even cheaper than 2005, because it was like 222 when I started driving. So we're looking at pre-2005 gas prices under President Trump, and it's up almost a dollar and a half. No, it is a dollar and a half. It's up a dollar and a half per gallon and going up. We see that policies do matter, that who's in office does matter because the regulations, the taxation, the spending, all of these things are all connected. You can't isolate one part of this country. Everything is all connected. The canceling of the pipeline had massive impact on everyday Americans. And then to make it worse, he lifted restrictions on Russia with their pipeline. 
So now, and he's talking about, oh, Russia's economy is tanking. Their 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 dollar value is dropping. What about our dollar value? We're having the exact same thing happen here. He's acting like we're in this great place, and that he's taking down Russia through sanctions. We are in the exact same boat. And if Russia mm-hmm. is able to, let's say, worst case scenario, right? Russia completely takes over Ukraine. They now have access to all of their oil, all of their energy resources. And it's, and, the, and again, you could have China coming in to help them out as allies. There is no plan from this administration. I know you're talking about unity and let's be Americans. But the real issue that we're having is that the, when the adults came back in the room, right? As the New York, you know, all these left-wing people like to say, the adults are back. <laughs> the adults came in and stepped on the sandcastle that we were building for four years. We had this beautiful sandcastle and the adults are here and they kicked it over and they dropped their cooler on top of it. And they just, they're laying in the sun. That's it. That's what it feels like. It feels like they don't care. They're getting back to what they wanted to do under the pre, under the past administration, under president Obama. And it's just, it's a game to them. And they don't see that everyday Americans are hurting. It's so bad that I have left-wing people when they see me with my F, my my FJB hat on in public, they go, I love that. These are people who I know are Democrats, people who I know hated President Trump. President Biden is so unpopular that you have Democrats jumping ship and saying, this is one of the biggest mistakes we possibly could have made. And it is now having a worldwide effect. This is not just us now. It is now having a worldwide effect. I mean, with the way that everything's been handled, it seems as though... It seemed as though it was just about winning. You know, it was like, all right, and now what? And as you said, it was like business as usual, kind of. And yet we're seeing that that no longer works on a, on a global scale. That everything was shaken up too much. And I would say for the positive, uh, we were kind of getting back into the driver's seat. We weren't necessarily, uh, you know, we were taken seriously again. We had a seat at the table and we always had. But I mean, again, in 2014, Russia invaded Crimea. Russia was seeking to expand its influence. And who did we have? That was the Biden, uh, sorry, the Obama and Biden administration. Now in 2022, we're seeing the, or even in 2020, uh, we're seeing the Harris, sorry, the Biden-Harris administration. Although sometimes, sometimes I I actually, I think I got it right that time. But still yet, we find that this is an ongoing trend. It's an ongoing pattern. Uh, I mean, we have to flex our muscles a little bit, but right now we're seeing that we're we're not economically anymore the only country to come out of out of this uh this pandemic you know this global crisis was china they were the only ones and and it started there if anything they should have dropped a few points uh, at the very minimum uh and where they stood on a world scale but that we didn't see that happen and they have a at the end of the day their policy is by any means necessary china will succeed and for the united states right now it feels like we're going back to not by any means necessary. It's whatever makes us look good and whatever makes us feel good and be sensitive to that topic. A hundred percent. That's just what I was about to say. It was because people, they felt President Trump didn't make them feel good, right? Which is why it was okay to wish that President Trump got COVID and died and that we just need somebody, anybody, anybody but Trump. And look what you got. You got anybody, literally a body who can barely read a teleprompter, who can't even just stay upright you know he almost got tripped he almost got taken down by his own dog the other day it's just an embarrassment whether or not he did poop his pants in the vatican is irrelevant the fact that this was an actual rumor going around the world stage 
that President Biden had taken a dump in his pants with the Pope is a problem. Now, if they had said, oh, President Biden was is linked to uh, this Ru- Russian hooker and all that. Okay, fine, whatever. Hookers got it. You know, at least it's like it's a power play, right? It's like still disgusting. You probably get really bad diseases from Russian hookers. You know, your junk probably turns purple and explodes. But at least it's like this kind of like power play type thing. Like, yeah, whatever, I pay for it. As opposed to, I couldn't hold my poop in my body. Like, it, it's the appearance of appearing strong, whether or not it's scumbaggy, as opposed to being feeble and weak. And now we look feeble and weak, and we are seeing that Putin goes, hey, I'm not scared of Joe Biden. I'm not scared of Justin Blackface Trudeau. I'm not scared of Emmanuel Macron. I'm not scared of any of these people. I want Ukraine. Guess what? I'm going to take Ukraine. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're not, uh, right now, we're not talking about anything that hasn't already been said or confirmed. And we've always taken pride on this show on not necessarily going and putting much of our own speculation in the sense of trying to play fortune tellers. Um, But we have to play this by ear and hopefully we'll be able to continue covering this um, as I mean, as it goes forward, because right now, the only thing that is confirmed is the fact that, you know, NATO and there's just imposing sanctions is just imposing on taking economic action. Um, what this could lead you know we've already said but you know there's no um what is it monday morning quarterbacking yeah because today's only thursday yeah today's only thursday (laughs) (laughs) and i don't know i just i don't feel i don't feel good and i and i kind of um it's a bit upsetting to see the way that the conservatives have taken a taken a stand uh, against this and have been very much so putting this off to the side instead of taking a good look about it. Um, I mean, I'd say as a whole, I'd say as a whole, like, do better. I mean, if you're able to believe everything uh, that um, Lynn Wood and the other QAnon people said about the storm is coming and et cetera, et cetera, but you were, were you skeptical of informing yourself about a potential global conflict, your priorities are messed up and you can't be following these people on social media that tell you, you know, just look at these funny memes. You know, you have to make sure that you're getting credible information and that doesn't stop with us either. You know, thank you. If you think that we're, you know, we're amazing, but at the end of the day, do your own research, make your own opinions, think critically. Yeah. And just because there are other extremely pressing things going on in this country, doesn't mean that this doesn't deserve some attention because again, this will have an impact on us. We can't listen. I am all for not dealing with anyone else's nonsense, never sending troops overseas to die in any foreign war, or any of those things. I'm all for it. But we can't pretend like we can fully retreat with inside our own borders and there will be no consequences to that for us here. Okay. Places like China and Russia who are growing extremely strong, especially China. You don't think China would just want to dominate the entire planet? You think if we had just retreated inside our own borders and they took over the rest of the planet, there wouldn't be severe consequences for us? This is a global world. It doesn't mean that we have to be part of a global community, right, or a one-world government. Understanding that foreign affairs do affect the United States, it's called being an intelligent human being. That is why you have people in the government. Well, again, now, now, now I'm just 
<laughs> I just had people in the government and I just gave, I just lost all credibility, but this is why you have to deal with foreign affairs. It's not something you can completely mm-hmm. not agree, not deal with. Okay. Right. You have to work with other people, but right. it doesn't mean we have to get sucked into everything, but you should be informing yourself of things that are going on that are going to directly affect Americans. And this is something that is going to directly affect us. Russia and China getting stronger is going to directly affect us. Biden imposing sanctions on Russia is going to directly affect us. It's going to have, there's going to be a reaction. Do you think Russia is just going to be like, okay, Mr. Biden, we're so sorry we invaded Ukraine. Um, Let me see. Do I have, I I don't have, I don't have a pen and a paper to write you. And I'm I'm sorry, note, but if, if you come back tomorrow, I promise I'll just give you like a bunch of free oil so that Americans gas prices go. No, it's not going to happen. There will be economic, there will be a reverse economic uh, issue on our end. There is going to be a negative reaction for us here at home. Yeah. I mean, if you look at it, we've been sending, we've been sending diplomats and we've been, you know, asking for phone calls with Russia and we've been sending them letters as Biden liked to put it a, you know, a strongly worded message or strongly worded letter to, uh, you know, the Kremlin. We're the ones reaching out and saying, please don't do this instead of saying, you know, stop it right here. We're not going to ask you again. So I understand that people want to revert back to the days of George Washington and live everything by the Constitution and the founding fathers. We know that that's been broken several times as much as we try to be principled. And we should still continue to hope and try and hold those principles. But we can no longer act as though we are not a global economy and we are not a global force. We can no longer, you know, think that we can just stay, as you said, Evan, within our borders as well as have this policy of isolationism. We cannot afford to fall behind. And, you know, let us let me know your thoughts. I mean, because that's all I'm going to say on the matter. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that we shouldn't put the needs of Americans before anyone else. We should. Americans should come first 100 percent. But we do have to understand that we are a part of this world. It doesn't mean we go send our have send our troops to die in Ukraine. But it does mean that we have to understand that these things do affect us, guys. So for that will be our show for today. Please like, share, subscribe. Once again, please visit our website, EmpireStateConservatives.com. All of our merchandise is there. It's all beautiful. I'm not wearing any of it today because I had to prepare for World War III. But I will be wearing some more next time. And we have some amazing stuff there. So, uh, Gabe, why don't you tell the folks where they can find you on the social media? All right. So you can uh, find me on social media on Twitter at uh, Baron underscore Montalvo on Instagram. It's Baron dot Montalvo B A R O N or just Googling me, um, which will show you all of my social media links. uh, Just typing my name, Gabriel Montalvo. Yeah, guys, don't forget to visit our Facebook page at Empire State Conservatives. We are heavily shadow banned. I get emails every day saying we might lose access to the page. So once again, Empire State Conservatives.com. Check us out on all audio platforms, Spotify, Apple, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, all that stuff, Empire State Conservatives Podcast. On Twitter, we are still somehow on Twitter at uh, Empire State Cons. And on YouTube, still somehow at Empire State Conservatives Podcast. So for that, everybody, let's go, Brandon, and don't let fear take your freedom. Mm-hmm.